And now for something completely different. A radio show about books. Didn't think it through at all. Inconceivable! <laughs> yes, the show's serious. That's totally a thing. Thank you. Tarzan of the Apes. Brought to you from out the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' immortal book. Oh, wow. In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and been widely regarded as a bad move. And now for your host, Daniel Thompson, a completely underqualified buffoon who has no idea why he's here in the first place. And all were amazed and said, this guy is really good. Do you do children's parties? Hey, everybody, I have a message. For everyone out there in the Americas, we have a presidential election coming up, and everyone's getting pretty heated about it. People are unfriending people on Facebook. News outlets are going nuts. Everyone's mad at everyone. So in this time of turmoil, I want to offer you all some very serious hope. Because no matter who wins the election, no matter what side takes it, we are going to have a really fantastic addition to that attraction at Disneyland with all the robot presidents. You know, the one where, like, they have, they have like, Abraham Lincoln give the Gettysburg Address and, like, boom, George Washington shows up and, like, they're all robots? Yeah. Yeah, like, if it's Trump, it's going to be, like, a freaking creepy robot. And if it's Hillary, like, we probably won't even be able to tell the difference between the robot and the human. And that is something that we can all come together and agree will be truly wonderful. Welcome, everybody, to the Very Serious Writing Show. Happy Monday! And now, we have epic sci-fi and comedy author, and also wrestling author, John Cosper. Bum shakalaka. That's how we roll. You're here because we want the best, and you're it. Nope, couldn't keep a straight face. Where are you calling from, John? Uh, I am in New Albany, Indiana, right across the river from uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Nice, okay, I've yep. been to Louisville. Yep. Not sure I've been to that part of Indiana, but yeah, I've been to Louisville. Nice little town. I'm calling out of it Oklahoma is. today. Yeah, yeah, I knew you were based down there, so. Yeah, yeah, how long have you been listening, man? Uh, it's been just a couple months, I think. Um, there was a day, I usually listen to podcasts when I'm cutting the grass. Uh, when I don't have that long of a drive to work, but, uh, I need some longer podcasts to listen to. So I actually searched for Carrie Neats because I just read, uh, Almost Vampires in Space. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, that's how I found you. And, oh, okay, uh, yeah. And I've gone on to a couple other books, uh, since then and I've been listening ever since. Well, hey, I've, I'm glad you're enjoying the show. Yeah, <laughs> I've gotten a lot out of it. It's, it's really, really a good show and, uh, I really enjoy it and, uh, you know, appreciate all that you do. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, Carrie was a cool <laughs> guy. He, he writes he writes whack stuff though. It is yeah. is so much fun. Well, what's great is it's got it's got this outrageous cover. And, and, and honestly, I mean, if you go and mire the whole shelf of Christian fiction, it's just it's Amish. It's Amish romance. <laughs> and it's just a great gag. But it's a really good science fiction story. It's well done. Mm-hmm. He writes so deep, and it's like it's good yeah. hard sci-fi. I love it. Mm-hmm. It I, is. Now I haven't I haven't read Amish Vampires though. I've read his uh, his other trilogy, his Star Curiously Singing, which right. I really enjoyed. But yeah, yeah. And so, are you kind of the same genre with him? I've 
I, I, I say I'm, I'm more uh, more when I'm doing sci-fi. I'm more along the lines of space drifters than I am uh, Amish vampires. Um, I like the space opera. I like the fun. I like the humor. Uh, crazy outlandish characters that come out of nowhere and in circumstances that come out of nowhere. So just to me, that's more fun. And it's I, I'm not a hard science fiction writer. I don't do a lot of prep. I don't create worlds. I just I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants when I'm into a story that I really like. Man, that's that's the fun way to do it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For people like Carrie, who are a little bit more like that's just his world. He's just like he's immersed into the hard sci-fi. That's just him. But yeah. I was looking on your website. You were like you you cited Douglas Adams as one of your inspirations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bless you for that. <laughs> I love, love that, like, everything he's ever done. Oh. Any any incarnation of Hitchhiker, I've read it or I've seen it multiple times. I I, I love the whole series. I think the radio adaptation is my favorite. But uh, same, I, I love version. the radio adaptation. It is yeah. so good. Yeah. And yeah, no. My, my daughter's hurt just a little bit. She, she's eight now, and, and she just loves Marvin already. So oh, Marvin. I have a future fan in her. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Marvin's a great case of like the whole the whole idea behind like the uh, the serious cybernetics corporation mm-hmm. and the, just these yeah. robots that have gone wrong emotionally. I think yeah. it's a great take on 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 the robot side of sci-fi. Yeah, and I like how I like how Paul did that in Space Drifters without without copying. You know what Douglas Adams did. He took kind of the same idea, and it, to me, it actually the, the ship's computer reminded me a little more of the robot in Tripping the Rift. I don't know if you ever saw that cartoon back in the day. I uh, but it was it was just this, this robot who had just it, it was an outrageous you know, kind of kind of filthy little short cartoon they turned into a sci- sci-fi series. But um, the, the robot just had the ut- utmost disdain for the ship's captain and just treated him like garbage. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> now. In your, uh, you just recently published uh, an ebook that's a, got a bunch of your short stories in it, and you do something similar, maybe not for the com- comedic point of view. I haven't read it yet, but like uh, the robot girlfriend, mm-hmm. uh, that idea, and the, the general gist of it is like the robot is not allowed to harm humans, right? But he also is starting to pick up on emotional harm. Right, right. It was just kind of the idea behind that was, you know, what if robots realized that humans could be harmed emotionally? Because, and it was really kind of a, yeah, it was one of the more serious themes that I took on in, in the short stories. But, um, you know, people don't often think about, you know, the emotional repercussions of what they're doing and the things that they say, you know. But, you know, what if a robot realized this person will be harmed if I tell them, no, my master's not ever going to call you again. And it's over. He doesn't, the robot physically cannot, or I, however you want to say it, he's a robot, you know, but he cannot bring himself to tell her that because he's programmed not to harm her. So, and of course, things get deeper and deeper and deeper. And, you know, he just kind of, kind of creates a even worse situation for his master and, and, and for the woman in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's a really... I like how you've taken the cliche and gone deeper. So there's a lot of sci-fi that's okay. Robots cannot harm humans. I was just watching uh, Automata the other day mm-hmm. with uh, Antonio Banderas. Have you seen that one? Haven't seen that one yet. No. It's like it's like Blade Runner with Antonio Banderas, and yeah, <laughs> I, appreci- I appreciate that. I like I Antonio. The trailer. It looks really good. Yeah. And they they start out the story by saying, okay, robots cannot harm humans, and they can't repair themselves or whatever. Those are the, like the two laws of robots. But like, I appreciate how that angle takes a. A different approach. It deepens the cliche. It goes. Mm-hmm. It it goes to a place that I haven't thought of before. Yeah, and it's a lot of you know a lot of the short stories come from you know try, trying to find that extra angle. Um, I don't know if you saw the recent SNL sketch where they they did basically they did the last scene of Dead Poet Society, oh and they recreated gosh. it shot for shot. And what happens at the end is someone stands up. Someone, one of the writers in the room, 
was watching the film and was like, what if somebody stuck their head into the ceiling fan? And it, of course, the result is just this horrible, grotesque, you know, it's horrible, outrageously funny ending. But it was, it's, it's that kind of a thing, is looking for something somebody hasn't seen before. You know, what if somebody stuck their head in the fan? Or, you know, in this case, what if a robot, you know, learned that humans could be harmed emotionally? And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of the stories. Another one that's in the book is uh, The Telemarketer, which was uh, turned into a short film with uh, Cindy Maples. And uh, I, without giving, I, I really can't speak much to giving it away, but, you know, people play pranks on telemarketers. And uh, it was kind of the premise of, you know, what if telemarketers were teleporting into your home and, and how, how might the future of telemarketing look if someone teleported in your home and all of a sudden just started selling you a vacuum cleaner at a really inopportune moment. So <laughs> oh. uh, uh, Cindy Maples just did a fantastic job with it. She's actually adapting another short story out of the book called Drip Drip, uh, which I just saw the script for. And uh, Cindy loves dark. She loves kind of, she's got a very dark demented sense of humor and everything and she's one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet too but uh <laughs> some of those sweet people's they they and you know i would dab a little in the wrestling world as well with my writing and, and something i've discovered is the people that play the worst villains are often the nicest people when you meet them so yeah um, you know it's really funny by the way it's so weird yeah the, the things that nice people will say and find funny i had i was in i was in with a bunch of college students one day and we had a new person introduced into our group just the quietest sweetest little gal and one day we were all eating dinner. Everyone was being really loud and talking. She just leans over to me and whispers, "Will alligators kill your children?" Yes. <laughs> and I was like, "What? <laughs> what?" <laughs> and she just goes back to her salad. And I'm like, "What the heck?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's yeah, wild, man. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. Yeah, dark humor though, so much fun. Do you? Is it primarily dark humor that you write in, or do you? There, there's quite a bit of dark humor and uh, sarcasm, and, and uh, that comes out of, you know, for, for years and years I actually wrote, and, and still do occasionally write, write drama ministry and, and Christian drama, and, you know, taking a dark, sarcastic angle, especially with Christians, that, you know, who I always went after them much harder than I did anybody who was not a believer, because you want to bring them in with Jesus' love, but if you're already a Christian, you got no excuse, I'm going to hit you with everything I got. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I actually even had a... Uh, I've got the Righteous Insanity has been around for forever. That's been my main website. But a fellow writer and I set up another website for a couple of years called Sunday School Dropouts. And uh, we created pseudonyms for ourselves. And we, we that's where we put all the stuff that we were afraid to put out with our names on them. So um, just, just really going hardcore on that and, and uh, letting people have it. So like what it was a lot of, of fun. What types of stuff would you do? What, what, give me an example. of. Uh, I did one. Um, it was actually sort of inspired by an old Stan Freeberg sketch, but it was a uh, record producer who just drags his kid in off the street. He's going to turn him into a rap star and everything and teaching him all things you have to do to be a rap star. And if you're going to be a rap star, you have to murder somebody. He walks him over to the window like, here, here, take this gun. Just shoot somebody out there. <laughs> Oh, what the heck? On behalf and everything. It was like, now we now you've got to go to jail. It's like why? Well, you're not going to sell any records if you don't go to jail. <laughs> you know, just just uh, you know, like like I like I said, the stuff that would normally get you. You know, the, the children's minister would be like, nah, I don't want him writing my skits. So. <laughs> Those kind of things is what it, you know what we were putting out on there, and it ran okay. its course and, and and it served its purpose. But uh, you know, it, it kind of moved on to some other projects. But it was a lot of fun at the time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Christians as an audience. And I say this knowing that most of the audience that listens to this podcast are Christian. And I am as well. But, like, we're a, a really sensitive audience. 
Yeah, we we I, we had one up there that was that was totally mocking, like you know, you know, mile wide and inch deep, you know, seeker churches that were just wouldn't even hardly mention the name Jesus in church and everything. And this one lady emailed us and was just, oh, I can't believe you would say do this. This is just not nice, and it's not who seeker churches are and everything. And uh, my, my co-writer went, found her church's website, and pulled up, and they did like a twelve-week sermon series that was like straight out of a book. It was, what would Jesus say to Oprah? What would Jesus say oh, to Sanders? It's like, oh come on, you know, it's. it's <laughs> Exactly. We're writing too late. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, that is fun. That is so much fun. And you've had a lot of your shorts get made into like, into short films, and stuff. Yeah, it's, I've been really lucky with that. I actually produced short films for a long while. I've kind of gotten most of the way. I wouldn't say completely out of it. I'm still got my hand in a few projects, but um, it, it, I've been really fortunate to network with a lot of great filmmakers and, and have a lot of people turn some great stuff. You know, turn some turn out some great stuff. Um, Herschel Zahn was one of the first people to, to take on my stuff besides myself, and um, he did a short film a couple years ago, a slasher called Girl Number Three, that made the rounds of the indie film festivals. But he did a uh, short film adaptation of Tolerance, which is a uh, Tolerance was kind of taking the idea of what if political correctness got hold of us, you know, what if there was an alien invasion and the aliens were sensitive to science fiction that showed aliens in a negative light. So you have people ripping any film, any book off the shelf that portrays aliens as being evil, you know, and now it's all contraband, you know, and you've got this guy who's kind of caught in the middle who still loves, you know, alien and predator and things like that. And, you know, what okay. happens is discovers his secret stash is he going to turn him in or is he going to turn himself in and uh Herschel just had a we had a ball turned that one into a film and uh, he actually stuck me in and I got to do the prosthetic makeup and everything to be an alien playing frisbee and uh it was, it was a lot That's of fun great. <laughs> oh I love fun stuff like that man and film is so much fun I mean it's just it's just a fun medium to, to tell it, a story. it is. I really, um, yeah. I, I'm primarily a writer, and I'm happy being a writer. I, I, I do misdirecting, and, and I enjoy it a little. You know, enjoy the times I did, but you know, casting actors and working out schedules and this and that, and hoping the weather's going to be good. It, it just, it, it's a lot of headaches and stuff. And yeah, again, I'm, I'm not as good at it as most people who are out there doing it and working really hard at it. But I'm happy to turn it over to them and, and see what they do with it. So, um, like I said, I've had, so, I have had a lot of great luck working with Herschel and working with Cindy and, and, and quite a few others as well. And, uh, you know, I'll, hopefully, hopefully there'll be more. Okay. So you kind of moved on from that, but like, where, where are your current projects? Where are you kind of working with at the moment? I kind of dabble in three different areas. I write for a uh, children's ministry publisher called Children's Ministry Deals. Okay. Uh, we turn out, uh, we, we actually, last year, I think we were the number two children's ministry publisher in the country. But hey, nice. We turn out basically a fully modular uh, children's ministry curriculum. There's, you've got an object lesson, a skit, you've got games, small group stuff, a, a full Bible lesson and every every week. Um, all kinds of different themes. We've written on you know, everything from computer apps to foods to ice cream to you know summer at the beach type themes, Christmas themes, and all that. Um, so that's kind of kind of where my main focus is because that's that's where the money is for me. Thank you know, thankfully I've got a really nice side income with that. Um, when I'm writing fiction, it's it's generally tends to be sci-fi uh, things things like the robot girlfriend stuff, space cats, uh, space monster, uh, a lot of space stuff you'd have yeah. noticed. <laughs> and, uh, and then I also have a, a blog where I write about indie wrestling and wrestling history, and I've now published uh, four books about professional wrestling. Uh, I, I saw that too. I was like, sci-fi and indie in wrestling. This is. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun combo. I, I, I like I said, I, I kind of have a foot, you know, I'm not well. I only have two feet, but I, I do have a hand in multiple <laughs> worlds, and um, it's 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 been a lot of fun. I mean, it's it, it's 
it's hard sometimes to find a balance and to find time for things. You know, right now I haven't probably touched a sci-fi project for a while, but um, just this past month I had a huge deadline for the publisher, so I was writing kids' ministry stuff every night. I was totally focused on that, trying to crash out a whole bunch of stuff, meet a deadline so I could go on vacation with my family. And mm-hmm. literally last, uh, probably 10 days ago, it was Thursday night, I finished up an invoice and series. I emailed off to the publisher. I shut my laptop. I watched TV for a minute. I opened it back up, and I crashed out two chapters on this new wrestling book that I set aside a month ago. So nice. uh, it's a, uh, it's nice to have a release, you know, when you're totally focused on one thing to have a release to go into something different and, you know, to be able to jump around and, and, uh, you know, not because, you know, if you get burned out on one thing to have something else, you can go and just kind of relax and, you know, and uh, have fun with it. For VSWS news, I'm Daniel Thompson. In the UK, Britain succeeds from the European Union, and birds of prey in Scotland are stealing residents' underwear. The birds in question, formerly known as red kites, allegedly have begun using Scottish boxer shorts to line their nests. Scientists report that these nests have been very successful, and again implore Scottish residents not to go outside in their kilts on windy days. Whether or not the copying of the underwear is related to the succession from the European Union is as of yet unclear. Disaster struck at a Tennessee wedding when a stray sparkler allegedly lit the bride's hair on fire. Guests at the wedding were allowed to light the sparklers to illuminate the married couple's exit from the reception, allowing the incident to occur. Reports indicate that it is not yet clear whether the follicle burning was intentional on the part of a disillusioned relative or merely the logical effect of giving intoxicated people fire. A Washington man has created a new methodology of consuming food products from the chain restaurant McDonald's specifically by placing nine cheeseburgers, a bag of fries, and a soda in the blender. When asked, this Jeff Goldblum remarked, saying, Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. Reportedly, an environmental activist from Brazil protested deforestation online by placing two live vampire bats in his mouth. This particular activist has a history with the internet, having previously placed snakes in his mouth and also suspending himself in a wooden box and setting it on fire. It's unclear how this methodology will stop deforestation. The bats have pressed charges in civil court. A Swedish football player was given two yellow cards and a red card for excessive flatulence during a game. The player reportedly was experiencing stomach issues and, quote, broke wind to relieve himself. The referee delivered the cards under the pretense of unsportsmanlike conduct, suggesting that the inner gas release was intended as an insult to the opposing team. The player and referee exchanged words after the game, which the player described reportedly saying, I was annoyed, but there were no bad words. I just said he was a buffoon. A player on the opposing team agreed that the incident was odd, but reported that he could hear the fart from where he was standing on the field as well. An Alabama teenager was forced to contact her local fire department when a fiberglass Barney the Dinosaur head got stuck over the top of her shoulders. The teen, reportedly named Daisy, intended to use the head in a prank on her friends. Who's laughing now, Daisy? Hmm, who's laughing now? Finally, KFC has allegedly launched a new product with the experimental Watt Box, a box of fried chicken that also has a charging port for your smartphone. In other completely unrelated news, Chick-fil-A stocks have once again risen. For VSWS News, I'm Daniel Thompson. When you've got the sci-fi, what, what makes you decide whether you're going to take your sci-fi concept seriously or whether you're going to turn into some dark humor sort of thing? I... I, 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 I... The first couple sci-fi novels, I, I did one called The Shell Collector, which was a, a really serious. It was uh, um, kind of the premise was was taking the idea of, you know, what if 
the future with genetics, you know, and the way people are treating human life. What if we were creating people in labs only to later on kill them and just basically just harvest them for their organs? That was much more hard-hitting sci-fi. It had a lot mm -hmm. more heavy-hitting Christian themes and, and messages and dialogue in it. But anymore, I, I go for the fun. I go for, you know, the humor and, and the adventure. Um, and it, it, just just looking for the unexpected twists and it, really just having fun. You know, I want to have fun when I'm writing it. Hopefully, if I'm having fun writing it, then people there's going to be people out there that enjoy it, you know. And yeah. uh, one of the benefits of finding your podcast, reading some of the books I've read, I was like, oh, wow, there's other people writing similar just demented, crazy stuff out <laughs> That actually does have a Christian theme, or it has, you know, it, you know, a foundation in it, even if it's not an overt type thing. And uh, so there's an audience out there for it. It's been real encouraging for me to see that. I'm like, hey, I, I might actually have something here. So, yeah, so there's absolutely an audience for it. Like the Christian comedy or comedy that Christians can enjoy in like these genres is there's a need for it. And we're I've, and dystopia so. right now is so serious, and like most of the genres that people are reading right now just really serious stuff so there's a void there for comedy absolutely yeah and I, I put a thing on my facebook page i don't write dystopian stories about teenagers with angst and their <laughs> post-apocalyptic worlds you know i write about aliens and laser guns and spaceships and um you know i i, I did a trailer for uh, space cat when i released that one about a year year and a half ago and basically all it is is just a scene in an elevator um on the space station where you have the main character, who's a cyborg female bounty hunter, uh, the guy whose ship she's kind of commandeered, who's kind of a pilot standing in the background, and then the bounty hunter's ex-boyfriend. <laughs> and basically, it's just the two of them having a fight in an elevator, you know, just battling back and forth, this kind of random thing you would never see, you know, in a dystopian novel or any other kind of a science fiction story. And it's going back and forth and back and forth. And finally, the guy in the back of the elevator is like, if y'all don't stop, I'm just going to kill you both right here. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just I like to have fun. And... Uh, See, one I was working on recently, I've got to, we're working on a sequel to the book Cave World. And um, mm. I just got this random idea. I had these characters and I had to get them someplace more quickly. And I'm like, well, what if they get picked up by somebody? And what if this somebody is somebody on like a land cruiser, kind of like Star Wars? But rather than Star Wars characters, they're these, these preppy types like you might see, you know, with the sweatpants or whatever. And what if they just happen to be cannibals? You know, and the cannibal, preppy cannibal family that lives <laughs> in this world. You know, so, yeah. Um, I don't know how it's going to fly with it. I've got, you know, some people looking at, at the story right now just to see how it plays out. But, you know, they take him to this place and everybody's very nice and casual and this and that. And uh, the father of the family is kind of a Paul Lind character and he's obsessed with eating the cyborg because he's never gotten to eat a cyborg. And, you know, and uh, just, just I'm like, you know what? Why couldn't this be here? And why couldn't this? And, and what's great sometimes is you create these random crazy things, and then they stick with you and they become part of the story. And you know, and uh, it actually carried on and actually worked into the finale. This, the fact that this family is there existing in this world. So, um, like I said, I just yeah, I, you know, when I when I write, I want to have fun with it, and I hope the readers do as well. That's the best thing since Hugh Grant got cast as like a cannibal chieftain in like, Cloud <laughs> Atlas. That's that's fantastic, preppy cannibal. <laughs> I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to send you a sample of it. Like oh, that I'll look forward to. It just came out of nowhere. It's like, you know, I'm writing this in sort of young adult fiction. Like, yeah, why not? Oh, I mean, this is what I want to put right here, and let's just see where it goes. And um, that actually turned out to be a really fun, fun one to write because you know the, the character from Space Cat, who had nothing to do with the Cave World universe, um, I worked her into the story. Since I put her in there, I put references to other stuff. So actually, you know, kind of retrofitting like like Tarantino, you know, 
yeah. does all of his stuff. All the universes are now sort of interconnected in this one universe that I've created. So, um, but it was it was a lot of fun you know, to take those characters and have them interact with other characters, and and uh, yeah, it was it, it was a ton of fun to write. And uh, still working on that one, hoping to get that one out. If not by fall, probably by early next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the angst, there's so much angst in current stories, and I find it funny. And I'm trying to weave, in my current work in progress, the, the dystopian comedy, I'm really trying to weave in some of that angst as a comedy yeah. element. Just yeah. because it's been given, it's had the stage for just too long at this point, yeah. and I'm, yeah. I'm ready, <laughs> ready for it to pay its dues. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's, it's, there's not a little of that in there, because the basic premise of Cave World is it, the Cave World is a world created by a teenage boy who wants to be a great science fiction writer. And he's done all the, the heavy work in creating this world where, you know, every planet in the universe is connected to this one planet via a cave. And if you go find the right cave on your world, you can go to this world and travel to any other world. Um, and in the second one, his one of his friends, you know, um, from, from high school, she finds the cave, or actually, no, some characters come through the cave, they find her, they drag her into it. So he has to go and try to get her out. And, you know, so you do have a little bit of the, but you've got, you know, you know, for example, the scene where they're standing in front of the candle, she's like, where in the world did you get this idea? And he's like, well, I thought, I thought it would be funny. It's a terrible idea. You know, <laughs> just, just, just really, you know, I, I love that kind of, that kind of, di yeah, again, it goes mm -hmm. back to the elevator in Space Cat. I just love that kind of dialogue and the back and forth and the banter. And uh, I'm a big comedy fan and, and, old classic comedies and everything and anytime you yeah. can get that, that kind of thing worked in i think it's fun now do you like the banter in movies like the avengers where you have all those all those personality i feel like the, the avengers lives and dies by its, its banter and the comedy well, it's joss whedon, absolutely I, I love everything joss whedon's ever done and it's you know i mean whether it's buffy or firefly he knows how to mm -hmm. find a voice for each one of those characters and and really play with it and he has fun with you know the differences you know you know butting up a captain america against the thor and against a, an iron man he does it exceptionally well i love it oh it's so much fun it's so much fun, and I think the best comedy comes from the dialogue. This is the comedy we live all the time, besides the physical comedy, which is oh, yeah. harder to do in story. I yeah. haven't found out how to figure out how to do physical comedy in story because it's just a timing thing. Yeah, it, it, it's it's hard to convey a lot of things, you know, physical and you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm kind of a lazy action writer. I'm more of a dialogue writer, you know, and that's yeah, that, that's where I like to have the fun. And I, I'd much rather be, be writing a, a snappy banner between two people who have just the utmost tension between the two of them rather than writing a big dramatic action sequence. So um, I've done both, but the one's just much more fun, you know. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's probably why they tra they've been able to translate over to these short films as well as they mm -hmm. do. Yeah, and it's um, yeah, it, it, that that probably is true because of, you know they're just you know and um, yeah, I'm, I'm rambling here, but uh, certainly there's 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 a lot of fun in the dialogue and in the characters and, and the actors that I've gotten to work with and, and shooting a couple. I've just had a wonderful time with them, and uh, yeah, I've been lucky to work with a lot of really great actors here in the Wolf area. We've got some really great talent. Um, people like Erica Goldsmith, I got to work with a couple times. She's been in a bunch of indie films. It's a guy named George Robert Bailey. I can't say enough about. He's just fantastically funny anytime I've ever gotten to work with him and um, some other people yeah, I mean just just friends of mine I've come across who just just have a nose for comedy or um, maybe it's just something about you know knowing them well enough to be able to write for them and, and, and it fits well and, and uh, you know it, it's, it's it's been a lot of fun to see things turned into film mm -hmm. what were your early inspirations is it the, the Adam stuff and the, the Philip K. Dick that got you into 
Definitely Doug, Douglas Adams. Phil K. Dick was kind of a later influence. I read uh, Isaac Asimov. I love the Foundation trilogy. Um, my earliest childhood memory is going to see Star Wars with my dad. Most probably two or three. And, and in Star Wars, it's always been one of my absolute favorites. Um, and, you know, just the fun and the adventure, the, the space opera of it, but also the humor of it. Um, yeah. My, my favorite line in any Star Wars film is, you know, Han Solo, you know, pretending to be a stormtrooper in the, uh, we had a slight yeah. weapons malfunction, but we're okay. Everyone's fine here. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> that, that kind of little thing is, is just, just, just where, yeah, I, I really enjoy that. And, uh, you know, Star Wars has always been kind of a big, big thing for me. And, uh, yeah, I love the old sci-fi films. I love Flash Gordon and I love, uh, uh, Buckaroo Banzai is another one of my favorites. I love the John Carpenter films, Escape from New York and Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Uh, go back to Logan's Run and Forbidden Planet, uh, The Thing from Another World, Robot Monster, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, I, I love them all. And uh, there's just so much fun to those, to those old, especially the old, the ones that are just terrible. Uh, are just so much yeah. fun to watch anymore. And, and uh, sit watch with my kids and let them see them and let them howl and laugh at them too. It's a lot of fun. The charm of B movies is something I will I will never truly be able to grasp, but it's just it's just so wonderful. You need to find if you can find a, 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 a DVD bootlegger who's got it. Find a film called It Came from Hollywood. It came, from uh, Hollywood. came out in the late it came out in the late seventies, and it was hosted by Dan Aykroyd, Gilda Radner, Cheech and Chong, and John Candy. And basically, it's a great primer course on just the entire history of B films. And they do, you know, there's about 12 different sections and they talk about, you know, films about aliens, films about brains, films about monsters and, you know, giants and little people and, and everything. And it's just, just kind of a fun, broad, general introduction to the whole genre. Um, everything from Plan 9 to Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Um, <laughs> And uh, there's there's a section in the middle they do uh, movie trailers and they show one it's one of the black exploitation films from the 70s called Black Belt Jones, and uh, which I actually was able to find years later. It's a hilarious, t terrible, awful movie, <laughs> um, and got to meet before he passed away. Got to meet the star of it who was also an Into the Dragon. Have his autograph hang up in my basement here. So How cool. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, that was kind of where I got my kind of, you know, just like I said, it gives you kind of a foundation. And it's been fun for me over the years going through and actually finding the films that they used in that. And uh, um, I think about a year ago, I read Roger Corman's biography as well. And just a fascinating story about how this man, um, I don't know how many movies he's made, probably thousands. And he's, he's never lost lost a dime on a film, just making these terrible little B movies. And in the process, launching the careers of everybody from Ron Howard to... Jack Nicholson to James Cameron. Wow. Um, it's really amazing what he what he's done. What he's, and they're fun movies too. I mean, they're, they're some of them are terrible. The production values are extremely low, and you know, a lot of the times it's you know, hey, um, we've got this set sitting up here. Why don't we just uh, write a quick? You go write a script and bring it to us in two days, and we'll have the actors shoot that. We'll have two movies instead of one. <laughs> or the night um, I don't recall who was directing the film, but. Uh, Roger Corman gets a phone call at home. Hey, we're doing a night shoot. We don't have lights. He's like, you all have cars, right? Yes. Use the headlights. He hung up. They used the headlights to, to light a shot at night. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Wow. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I'm going to be getting into some Mystery Science 3 or 3, uh, 3000, so... That's another That's another way to get into it. That, that, that'll I'm, get you hooked. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that will get me caught up on some of this. Now, Absolutely. okay... If you were going to give advice to an author wanting to get into the type of stuff that you do, some of the sci-fi and the dark comedy, I mean, what what advice would you give them? Uh, engross yourself in it. I mean, look, look, watch, watch a variety of stuff. 
Um, so my nephew recently asked me, he's like, you know, I want to write this type of story. You know, what, what should I be reading? I was like, read everything but. Um, I mean, read, read, read as much as you can in the genre, but when you're working on it, read anything but that genre so that you're not imitating it. Um, I can look back through my career as a sketch writer when I was writing for church and I can be like, oh, I was watching a lot of Woody Allen when I wrote this script, or I was watching a lot of Tarantino when I wrote this script. Um, you know, but, but I, th I think the, the thing for me has always been, you know, re reading different types of, of things and uh, um, allowing that to influence your science fiction so that you can bring something new to it, you know, in addition to, um, you know, you're, you're still within the genre you want to be, whether it's, you know, humorous science fiction or hard science fiction, uh, but you're bringing in some James Bond to it. You're bringing in some, you know, if you're doing comedy, you're bringing in the Marx Brothers or Abbott and Costello or, um, you know, something else to it that, that gives you a fresh voice and, and something unique and, um, yeah, I said experiment with it, have fun. Everybody's kind of different. Everybody's got a different process, and um, you've got to find what works for you. But I, I think that's the biggest advice I have is, is is to you know not just pin yourself into one genre. And I'm going to write exactly like Douglas Adams. You know, don't write like Douglas Adams. You know, write something in the similar style, but you know, take some other influences and take a part of yourself and, and find your own voice with it. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, for sure. Where are you writing next? I mean, what's what's coming up for you? Where are you going? Uh, right now, um, wrestling wise, I just delved into, I wrote a history of, uh, pro wrestling in Louisville from 19, actually 1880 all the way up to the present, which I published two years ago called Bluegrass Brawlers. And right now I'm doing a more intensive book, uh, about one specific promotion that ran from 1937 to 1957. So it's kind of a historical thing going year by year, uh, with this wrestling promotion and then interspersing some, some biographies as well. Um. Fiction-wise, I've got uh, Cave World Two is, is is kind of on kind of what I've got sitting on the side at the moment, but uh, just just kind of a, like I said, it's a second entry in that particular series, and it's one that's going to link up all the other books that I've done. It'll link to Martian Queen. It'll at least link to uh, Space Cat. I believe it links up with with another one called Space Monster as well. Um, so I've got, you know, that, that's kind of sitting off to the side. I've done two drafts on it. I've got a couple people reading it trying to let me know, is it too violent? Is it too this or that? Or uh, I'm not worried about them saying it's too ridiculous. It's going to be ridiculous. You know, mm -hmm. I've, got, I've got preppy cannibals running around the desert. You know, <laughs> picking people up in their Land Cruiser, taking them back to, you know, for mom and dad to cook up. So um, that's not coming out. But <laughs> <laughs> and then a showdown on a, on, a, on, a, on a Western world, you know, with uh, and, uh, just all, all kinds of just outrageous, crazy stuff. But um so those those are those are kind of the two two big projects on the horizon for me right now. Oh man, it sounds like a lot of fun. If people want to follow you, where where do they find you online? People can find me on Twitter at John Cosper. Uh, they can find my writing page on Facebook. Uh, I think it's John Cosper author. I don't, I don't remember the URL on it, but uh, they can search for me on Facebook. Find me on there. I do have a page on Goodreads, which I recently set up again thanks to your podcast. I've never even thought, oh, I need to set up a page on Goodreads. <laughs> uh, so I would love to get some followers on Goodreads. Just, yeah, anybody who's looking for the sci-fi stuff or the wrestling stuff can find that there. Um, and then uh, my wrestling blog is eatsleepwrestle.com, and my author page is johncosper.com. Awesome. You got the full lineup. That's beautiful. I got quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for being on the show. It was great talking with you. This has been Absolutely. a lot of fun. It's great talking to you, Daniel. And hey, thank you for everything you do for us writers and everything you're, um, you know, all, all the different angles that you're bringing on i kind of, kind of learn something new every week and, and really appreciated the show so keep, keep up the great work i'm glad you're enjoying it i'm just having fun along with you <laughs> i can tell yeah it's, it's a good it's a fun it's very serious every That's week so serious. serious so just so serious absolutely the, the most serious of all 
Okay, new background song just for tonight. Just for tonight. You all have got to listen to the whole thing. It's just so happy. It's an old Paul Simon song. It's called You Can Call Me Al. And my wonderful girlfriend has been listening to it nonstop for about a week now. So, yes, I've been listening to it too. It's so addictive and happy. So happy. Embrace the happy. Also, you can friend me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter at MonkeyStrule. And also, I'm on Goodreads. Catch episodes every single Monday on SoundCloud or iTunes. Again, this is the Very Serious Writing Show. I'm Daniel Thompson, and we'll talk again. That's probably the smoothest outro I've ever done. I, I hate to ruin the moment by keeping blabbering on, but that was really pretty. That was well done. Maybe I should write out my outros. Like, maybe if I had, like, professionally written out outros every time, maybe they'd be better all the time. I'm going to have to think about it. Hmm. Yeah, probably not. 